hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, I'm bringing you a conversation with Elizabeth Chapman, and I'm going to introduce her in just a second at the beginning of the call. But this was just a fantastic conversation. I know you're going to find it super helpful. In this conversation, Elizabeth is going to be sharing some practical tips and strategies and mindset shifts that she has learned that have helped her go from crazy stressed out teacher and mom to having a fantastic year where she actually had time to create engaging lessons and still uh, have a time and effort to give to her family. And I just love, she gives so many uh, great tips and mindset shifts in this uh, this conversation. You're going to absolutely love it. So I won't waste any more time. Let's jump into it right now. I'm here today with Elizabeth Chapman. Elizabeth has been on our podcast a few times, and you might remember her. She is a mom of two, as well as a high school English teacher. She also blogs at Sam and or Teaching Sam and Scout. So she has a lot on her plate, uh, but she's been with us a few times to talk about. A few years ago, she joined Angela Watson's 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you might, might remember her. She's been on to talk about her experience and kind of give us a firsthand behind-the-scenes look at what it's actually like. And she's back again to talk about her year and give us some tips for time management and balance and all those important things. So thank you so much for being here, Elizabeth. Hi, thanks for having me back. Yeah, we're so glad we were able to talk. You mentioned to me earlier when we were talking that you've actually had what you'd consider a really good year this year. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes, I have to start by going back. When you and I first started working together, um, I have had what I would consider one of my worst teaching years. I remember. Um, At the time, I had like a newly two-year-old, and it was my 10th year teaching, and I kept thinking, this should be getting easier, and I was just having a really hard time keeping all the balls in the air. Um, so I joined the 40-hour teacher work week that July of 2017. And then last year, so two school years ago, was kind of the year that I implemented a lot and went through the course in real time. And then this school year that I just finished was the first one where I was able to kind of go in having already done the entire year's worth of course materials. And um, I think certainly there's some lifestyle things that made this year easier. Um, You know, my kids are a little bit older, things like that. But honestly, I do feel like my mindset had changed so much. I had established um, some much better routines and time management skills that I got from um, the 40-hour club. And this year was just a really, really, really good year. I would say, it's pretty bold, but I would say probably my best year teaching. I just loved it. I felt like I had good balance. I felt like I was able to do awesome, fun, new things with my students. Um, I wasn't stressed as much. You know, There were still those late nights, <laughs> but course, for the most part, it was a really, really, really good school year. That's awesome. It's so good to hear just that report that things are going better. It's starting to kind of come together. We're going to talk about some of the specific practical aspects of that. But first, can you share a little bit about the mindset, some of the mindset shifts you've had to experience 
between two years ago and now that have helped you kind of turn this corner or have, you know, have this, this better, more smooth teaching experience? Yeah. Um, I think a big one, and I, I hope a lot of your listeners will be able to relate to this is just as I have, especially put my own, my oldest is going into second grade. So as he's been in school for two years and um, we've kind of navigated life as a family of four. I have really, I guess, prioritized my role as a mom. Um, and I recognize that I feel really called to being both a teacher and a mom, but that being a mom for me has to come first. And for a long time, I felt really guilty about that. But in the last couple of years, I've been able to again, had to come up with some practical things, but as a mind shift, just recognize like I can be a great teacher and still put my family and the needs of my family, um, first and still, you know, and not bring home tons and tons of work and things like that. Um, and honestly, I found that my students respect that and they understand that. And it has made me a better teacher instead of a worse teacher, which was kind of my like fear, I think initially with not being able to be like as great as I wanted to be. Um, I just felt like I was failing in both roles instead of being great at either. Um, and so clearly defining that priority has really helped me. Um, also just recognizing, I think Angela Watson's, um, kind of mantra is do fewer things better. And I've, I've learned more about who I am as a teacher and what my strengths are and tried to kind of craft my school year, my curriculum, the things I teach, the way I teach it um, to best fit who I am and what my strengths are. And then tried to eliminate some of the things that didn't play to my strengths, if that makes sense. It does. These are such great shifts. All right, we're going to talk about them one at a time. Let's go back to the shift you said that um, you recognized, okay, I need to be, I need to prioritize my role as a wife and mother and my family um, and just kind of get clear on that. And I love that because teaching, obviously, I mean, teaching is so important, but your kids only have, you know, people have multiple teachers. There's only one mom, right? (laughs) So, and I love that you said that, you know, you worried about, that would detract from your teaching. But in the end, what you just shared with me before we came on this, started this call was that you were able to do more cool things with your students. You actually were, and and that started with prioritizing this. Can, Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. One of the things I've always struggled a ton with as a teacher is grading. I teach English, so I have a lot of papers to grade. And I realized that I was setting this expectation that I would get papers turned around really fast to students. And that was something I like wanted, I really wanted to do almost like a way to prove like I can do this. I can have these papers back and I can manage my house or whatever. Um, but the result was I was carrying home loads and loads of papers and then either spending the afternoons that I have with my kids grading papers, um, or not grading papers and waking up in the morning feeling guilty about the fact that I hadn't graded the papers all night. And so, um, I just stopped bringing them home (laughs) and I was really clear with my students like, Hey, 
I am mom in the afternoon. Like I'm teachers from this time to this time, and I'm going to work really hard to get this done, but it's going to take me a little while because I've got a family and I've got stuff to do at home. Um, I try to extend them that same grace, honestly, and that's a whole nother discussion, but I don't give a ton of homework or things like that. Um, but what I found was the students really don't care as much as I thought they did about getting their paper back in two days versus two weeks. Um, they are super, they were super patient and generous with me and it worked out fine. And I was able to still get the work done, even if it took me a little bit longer. Um, and also come home with a realistic expectation of when I'm off duty, I'm going to be off duty. And that worked fine. It worked really, really well. And it was kind of in freeing myself from those expectations that I was able to, you know, um, I created a lot more engaging units this year that had the students doing cool things instead of just doing stuff that had to be graded <laughs> um, and things like that that I think made a big difference. Yeah, I love that about it is so important. Sometimes we give and I, I had some of the similar things as well, you know, where we have these expectations for ourselves and maybe they even work in certain seasons of life. But as you know, like I said, if you have kids now, you can no longer come home and spend three hours grading. And so it's so smart to it's so important to look at those expectations and say, is this something I really have to do or is this just something that I arbitrarily decided I should, and, and it's okay to adjust it. Yeah. And it's interesting because I was going to ask then my follow-up question, I feel like you started to address it, was, you know, so how did you make this work, right? So you're not taking it home anymore. You're you're allowing yourself the grace of more time to grade them. But I know my thought and probably a lot of people's thoughts was, well, did it just start, you know, accumulating? And But it sounds like you found ways to to adjust that, to, to not have to grade as much, right? Is that, is that what you, is, is, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, that's true. Um, I do, I think it's kind of a disclaimer, kind of just a practical tip. One thing that I have implemented, not quite as regularly maybe as I would have liked, but that did help me was that maybe once every two or three weeks, I would have kind of a backlog of grading. And for that short time, um, you know, or to get me over that hump, I did occasionally pick up my son from the bus stop, take him back to my school. Um, he loved getting a snack from the snack machine at the school and, you know, getting all set up on my couch in my classroom. And he would do his homework and then maybe watch a movie or play a game or do something while I got in like an extra two hours of grading. And that sounds like it could be sort of counter to what I was saying about prioritizing time at home. But what I found was that usually just a really focused two hours um, – and sometimes those afternoons are better because the school is empty and it's really quiet and I'm not trying, I'm not being distracted by a million other things. Sometimes just those extra two hours then freed up like every other afternoon for the next two weeks. Um, that is such a great tip and it can be applied, I think, in so many different ways with whatever it is that teachers find themselves backlogged in. That yes, you know, your son was watching a movie, you know, for a couple of hours, but it was this dedicated time. And he understood, you know, hey, mom, mom needs to catch up on this. This is only happens every couple of weeks. And yeah. it's and it's intentional. And then that's so much better than every afternoon kind of half trying to work half, you know, you're like your your brain is half in half out. And you're able to give yourself more fully in the times when you do choose to that I think that's 
That's yeah. amazingly smart. I love and that. I, so if you don't like the idea of like taking your kid to school or whatever, I think there's other workarounds, you know, yes. if you pay for one day a week that they stay after school or they have a babysitter or, um, you know, one evening a week you work out with your spouse that you're going to go to a coffee shop and work. For me, it paid off like way in dividends to put in those couple of focused extra hours. And then they bought me a lot more extra time at home. Right. That's probably one of the biggest things that I did. I found the similar thing where it's it's really helpful when we start defining. These are like, I'm working at these hours. I'm not working these hours. Otherwise, it just gets to be this big, muddy, and you never you feel guilty whether you work, you don't. It's just, it's just like a big mess. <laughs> so that's exactly. great. Yeah. Okay. The second thing you mentioned was learning to do fewer things better and focusing on on what are my strengths as a teacher and kind of playing to those and maybe stopping doing some other things that weren't really working. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I'm not even sure exactly how to put into words how big of a shift this was for me. But, you know, we're hearing a lot of talk about like project-based learning and students owning learning in the classroom and things like that. And I have realized that for me, that is a really exciting and fun shift in education. Um, One of my strengths as an educator is lesson planning and like coming up with creative and engaging ideas. Um, And then I mentioned already that like one of the harder things for me is kind of the grading or the more like paperwork side of it. Mm -hmm. And so I have used my planning period a lot for real planning. Um, And I've done a lot of Angela's like batch work where I might spend a whole week. All of my planning time is focused on 10th grade's Julius Caesar unit. And I'm working really, really hard and I'm putting together these really cool things. And then I'm able to present them to the class. They're able to work on them. Um, the kids get really engaged. I have a little bit of time while they're working to do some grading if I need to, but also they're learning in a way that's not like writing a paper or taking a test. Um, you know, just as a tangible example, they, with Julius Caesar, we do this big campaign unit. So for like two weeks, I had to work really hard on creating this unit, but then there's two weeks where they they are, um, filming campaign commercials and making posters and, you know, practicing all these skills that we've learned. And that means that's two weeks that I'm not bringing home a test or a paper every afternoon that needs to be graded. Um, and it just made, I don't know if I'm really explaining this well, but it just worked really well for me to focus my energy on what I'm good at, which is lesson planning and implementing these fun things. And then through that, by giving the students a little bit more ownership in their learning experience, I'm not having to work quite so hard all the time. Does that? Am yes. I no, it totally makes sense because, and it's funny because I bet half the teachers listening to you right now are like, yeah, that sounds so much fun. And the other half are like, I'm overwhelmed even thinking about doing that. And that's right. the point though, because all of us have different aspects of teaching that we naturally gravitate to that we get that actually excite us or that we you know want to work on and then other parts like you said you're like I hate this part (laughs) you know it's just like and we can't completely avoid all the things that aren't our favorite but you are pushing yourself to the things trying to spend more time doing the things that you want to do and as a result you're 
giving yourself the grace and the freedom and it's working to let go a little bit of some of the things that you used to do that actually weren't your favorite. And so there's no cookie cutter answer for this, I don't think, but there it is just, that's a really important point to just to sit down and think, what do I like? What am I good at? Um, And can I push myself to spend more time in that and maybe let go of some of these other things and get creative, right? Get creative on ways to uh, reduce or eliminate the parts that you just aren't your favorite. Exactly. Yes. And um, that's awesome. Okay. So those are your two big mindset shifts. Are there any other shifts or practical tips or things that you felt like really um, helped you um, in these past couple years? Well, one of the big things, and I had almost forgotten that I got this from the 40-hour teacher work week because it's become such a like ingrained natural part of my rhythms and routines at school now. Um, but one of the things that I have implemented really consistently for probably the last two years and that I really like is the idea of choosing three top priorities for every day and then focusing on the hardest or like the biggest one first. Um, So my general flow for that is I keep a pretty big um, to-do list. I'm a list maker. Um, Angela's program gives you lots of strategies for list making, and I I like that. So I keep a really big to-do list. But pretty much at the end of every single day, and I set a timer on my phone because my – this is a little bit of a side tangent, but my – Son, I get off of school at 2.30 and my son gets off the bus at 2.45. So pre-kids and even pre-him riding the bus home from school, you know, it was like sometimes you get caught up in a project and you stay a little bit late and you finish it or whatever. But now it's like my workday has to finish or else I am not going to be there at the bus. Um, So I set a timer for 2 o'clock every day and my alarm goes off. And at 2 o'clock, that's my reminder to start kind of cleaning up my room, packing things up. And then I look at that to-do list and I just write on a post-it note the top three things that I need to accomplish the next day. Um, And that seems super simple, but for me, it's been huge in terms of it's like I dump everything in my big to-do list, but then instead of staring at that big to-do list and feeling completely overwhelmed, I just prioritize the three things. And if one day only one of those things gets done, that's not a big deal. The the two things just go on the next day's to-do list as well. Um, so that has been actually really big and I really like it. I know some people plan in the mornings, but for me, I've, it's like a kind of a routine and a rhythm of how I'm able to end one school day and shift into mom mode is cleaning up my classroom, cleaning up my desk, making my list of three things for the next day. And I stick it right on my desk so that I see it when I come in and I know what I need to be working on whenever I find little pockets of time throughout the next school day. That's so important. I, that's such a a great tip for so many reasons. I mean, first of all, uh, that, that staring at that big to-do list can just be so overwhelming. And when you pair off, okay, you know, three things, it's makes it so much less stressful. And it also is so valuable because then, like you said, sometimes we waste so much of our time, but also our mental energy, um, because we don't know what to do next. And when you come into the morning with the clarity of this is what I'm going to do today, you don't waste any of that time. You don't waste any of that mental energy, like stressing, you know, feeling overwhelmed or not knowing where to start, you know, exactly where to start. That that's so key. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing all these tips with you uh, with us. Before you go, um, would you mind sharing just a little bit about your experience again? Just an update on the forty-hour teacher work week. So, if you guys aren't familiar, uh, the, this is Angela Watson's forty-hour teacher work week program that we're talking about. You can find out more about it at teachfortheheart.com/slash/forty-hour-teacher. Um, but uh, basically, if you're not familiar, the program lasts. Uh, 12 months, so it's a one-year program, but you keep access to it, so you can go back whenever you'd like. So you did the, you said you did the whole program two years ago, so you did it like for a full year, and then this last year, you weren't actually going through it physically, but you had access to the materials. Can you just share a little bit about um, like kind of your thoughts and feelings about it now kind of being like a year out from the official time of it? Yeah. So to clarify a couple of things, I started again in the July 2017 cohort. I loved that I started in July. I I don't know what the winter cohort is like, but um, she does a great job of setting it up so you can, like in July and August materials really are all about prepping yourself and your classroom and your um, students for a really successful school year. And that was awesome for me. I was able to kind of go through the July and August materials kind of slowly um, and then be set up to really roll with some of those things right away when the school year started back in 2017. Um, And then, like I said, just to clarify for each month, there's a different topic and it runs from July all the way through the following June. And then there's weekly materials within that. So each month you're getting like, five or more kind of mini lessons with just a wealth of resources. And what I always tell people is it's like such a great bang for your buck in the sense that you are getting tons and tons of resources. But it's important to recognize like when I say I went through it, like I looked at each month's materials, but I definitely was not able to like implement every single week's stuff. And or, you're not supposed to, right? <laughs> it's not. Right. So I think it's important to clarify, like it is, it's stuff that I will and I do revisit all the time. Um, and I had to think of it that way because it could be very overwhelming if I tried to like do every single week as if I was in like a college class or something. Um And so when I initially went through each month, I would do kind of the overview of the month. I would look at the overview and then I would usually pick like one or two um, weeks that I wanted to really look at those materials in depth and try to make some adaptations. Um, Since I finished it, I, it's super easy to just log back in. And now of course, all the materials are there in the beginning. It's just released each month. So you can't necessarily work ahead, but that's fine. Cause she paces it really well. Now I can look at kind of the overview page where it tells me what each month is like. And then if I remember, okay, I need some help with lesson planning. Then I know to go and click on November and look at what she had for lesson planning. Um, and things like that. So I, I do go back and look at it a lot now, um, but now it's more as needed. And when I see things, you know, when I have an area that I need some help with, I can go and look at the whole year and pick where I need to go back and get some extra attention. Um, and then I told you a lot of the big, she calls them, I think the big five, a lot of those are just really ingrained in my um, 
routines now. And so I don't necessarily have to go back and look, but it made a huge difference for me. The other thing that I use a lot now is I'm still a member of the Facebook group that's part of being a part of the club. So I'm in the secondary teachers 40 hour work week club Facebook group. And it's a really active Facebook group. Even two years later, we, um, I feel like I get a lot. It's a great place for me to bounce ideas off of other teachers, um, to hear about other teachers' experiences, to be encouraged by other teachers, and also just to find some solidarity once in a while. So I find that a really big benefit of the group as well. That's awesome. Yeah. And I just... I, I love that you'd mentioned that about this is not intended to be a course where you read everything, you listen to everything. It's it's so expansive. It, that would that would be way, way. Like when we need it, it's because we're overwhelmed. So right. There's a danger of being more overwhelmed. And I do see people in Facebook all the time saying, I'm so far behind. I'm so stressed. And I think you have to kind of protect yourself against that. Right. It's not intended to be gone through like that. It's intended to be there so that you can pick and choose the pieces that will be most helpful to you, right? And then and then kind of continue to revisit and it. And there was easily something every single month that I was like, yes, I need this. Um, even the months that, you know, kind of on the outside, I thought I didn't need, you know, like, oh, I've got homework under control. But then I still was able to get some really great tips from it. That's awesome. Yeah, so actually uh, when the time when this podcast goes live, I believe the early bird enrollment will already be open. So you can go ahead and check it out and get some extra bonuses if you want to enroll in June and you'll have everything then for July and August and you can get all of that at teachfortheheart.com/40 hour teacher. Well, thanks so much Elizabeth. Before we go, do you have anything else you'd like to share or maybe just give a quick word of encouragement? No, but I just I think what I would say um and something that's become so important to me is just a reminder that we as teachers are super fortunate that we get a fresh start every school year. Yes. And, you know, I just said my 10th year teaching was one of my hardest and my 12th year was one of my best. And those really aren't that far apart from each other. Um, so every year we are blessed to be able to start new with new kids and new um, mindset. And I, I'm a big advocate, and I think Angela Watson is too, and I think you are, for taking care of yourself and giving yourself some grace and some rest and downtime over the summer. Um, don't feel like you have to do like 10 million things um, to prepare for the next year. But I do think like the 40-hour teacher work week and even just implementing some of these really simple things like the list making or the one day of day a week, you can turn around um, – you know, a bad school year, you can recover from feeling really, really overwhelmed. And I am truly proof of that because I went from a really, really hard to a really way better great year. Yes, I love that. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciated it. And can you tell us once again where people can find you? Sure. Um, my blog is teachingsalmonscout.com. And then I'm also um, on Instagram at at, te- or at salmonscout. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Elizabeth. I thought she had so many nuggets of wisdom to share with 
us. If you are interested in joining the 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club, I highly recommend it. And we partner with Angela to spread the word about this program. You can get all the details, and I believe you can even join now at teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher. Enrollment is open now through mid-July. So you have a couple weeks, if you're listening to this when this goes live, to check it out and decide if this is the program for you. But if you join in June, there's some extra bonuses for you. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at lynda at teachfortheheart.com. We'd be happy to help you um, with that. Before we go, I'm going to take just a moment and pray together with you. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with these teachers. Thank you so much that Elizabeth could come on and share such wisdom. I pray you'll help each teacher um, this summer that you'll provide rest and refreshment for them and help them to develop the strategies and the tools and just get the help that they need to create a life that is balanced where they can prioritize not just teaching but the other roles that you have given them as well. I pray that you'll help them find your peace and your rest and just guide each one uh, to the resources and the strategies that they need uh, to make that happen. We love you and we're so thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys again so much. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep striving. You really are making a difference.